All right, back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peter and Daryl Ryder, our Browns insider, joining us coming up at 9.20. We still got the fan focus at 9. We got off the beaten path with Spencer coming up later on in the show as well. We just got a bunch to get to. Got an absolute bunch to get to. You guys have been voting, by the way, in our Twitter reactions brought to you by Scheibin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. At Jay Pewdewin is how you find me. I said, is it an overreaction to say the Browns are Super Bowl contenders? No, ha- The no's have it, by the way. 45%, yes is 41%. And then I put a little like clicking to see results tab in there because we didn't have that the last poll we did. And I think that's working out pretty well. I might be a poll guy on Twitter. It's funny because with the polls on Twitter, people just automatically assume that you're taking the, the one that they don't believe you believe in. <laughs> it's it's wild to me. They don't even, like, if they're listening to the show or not, they just think that they're, like, whatever one puts the Browns down the most, they're like, that's the one you chose. It's like, you got to listen to the show. All right, let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Channel 5 Zone, Cameron Justice joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. Hello, Cameron. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Before we get to the Browns, I have to ask you a very serious question, which anytime All anyone right. ever puts it that way, it's never, never serious. That's what I'm, I'm expecting, not serious. So. Yeah, yeah. It actually would be really funny if I was like, so how about your political takes? I could actually, if I actually really went serious on you. Uh, so and we just randomly get disconnected. Yeah. <laughs> and then just a text from you later being like, uh, that was that was me saving my job and my career. I know, exactly. you, I know you understand. And I'm like, yes, yeah. Don't worry. We're not going rogue here. Uh, so... You saw, I, I saw earlier today, Taylor Swift with this, uh, she's having a USA Today reporter, someone to just uh-huh. follow her uh, from the USA Today, kind of like our buddy Chris Fedor did when he followed LeBron. His job at Cleveland.com was just do, like, if LeBron moved, he went to the bathroom, Chris Fedor had to report on it, okay? That was the job, and he did a great job at it. Would you trade the job you have now for that job if the money was equal? <laughs> Did you um, see that I applied or something? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, I you you would um, get it. You know that, right? Like you would get is, it if you applied. <laughs> that is a honestly like there are two dream jobs. What I'm doing now, covering Cleveland sports and covering Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it would be it would be a coin flip for me. It would be very t- it would be very tough to turn down a full-time Taylor Swift reporting job. The only problem that I see with it is the longevity of covering Taylor Swift full-time. Like, where's the where's the appetite for that? Is it going to be the same? Is it just now because of this Eras tour and the hype and the craziness? Like, once this Eras tour dies down, her reputation tour wasn't this crazy. It was a great tour. It was big, but it wasn't this crazy. So, like, if her next tour isn't this big... Does that job go away? Mm, job stability, number one. Or, Cleveland sports, they've been here forever. And, and Cleveland sports isn't going anywhere. What if she does the Adele thing? And listen, I, I appreciate what Adele does. But Adele works for like six months, and then she's just gone for six years. And she's just gone. She yeah. just does her thing. She lives her life. I love that for her. Yeah. I know. Like, it's a, it's a dream job, but it's like, logistically, it doesn't feel like it's like a smart move. So I, I agree yeah. with that. All right. Well, don't apply because so they'd be stupid not to hire you for it. You might actually get it. So don't apply for it. We, I love my job and I love what I do now. Yeah. So I, as much as I love Taylor Swift, I, I, I really do. I, I, I love covering the Browns, the Cavs, the Guardians, and all these Northeast Ohio sports a little bit more. I mean, you'd sell the you'd sell the whole job interview on like uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift football. Me, like, what what are we doing here? <laughs> Just best of both worlds kind of thing. I can't believe he did it. <laughs> 
I can't. I cannot believe it. Cleveland Heights own just landing Taylor Swift. I, if the reports are true, Cameron, I can't believe he actually did it. You know what? I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. Why would that surprise you? I'm just here for the breakup songs. That's all I'm here for. I can't. I can't that, wait to see I, how she works. That's that a in. dream. That's a dream couple. <laughs> you want to know why? You want to know why I don't love it? Okay. I don't love the idea of Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes being besties only because, and I like Brittany a lot more than I did based off of the Netflix documentary. I think she, I think she's like really sweet, but then that also means that then she's going to like low key become friends with Jackson Mahomes. And I don't need that for Taylor Swift. See, I don't, the, the wives and girlfriends aren't always best friends. There's dynamics there too. That's true. But like, there's a, you know? there's a hierarchy at play here and Brittany wouldn't like, t- you know, like that's, that's tough. She wouldn't like it, but she would have no choice. Taylor uh, yeah. Swift would be the, the top of the hierarchy. She's, Are you kidding me? She's Sorry, Brittany. She's instantly the top of the hierarchy. All right. <laughs> Cameron, I put a poll out there and I want to know what you think about this. Okay. Because the poll is kind okay. of, it's split. The poll I had was, is it an overreaction to say the Browns are Super Bowl contenders? And now I've maintained that I'm not saying they're the favorites. I'm just saying you have to reprogram yourself and how you think if you're a Browns fan here. All these years of losing takes a toll. I get it. I'm just, let's try this one out. I, if, if I can't find an auto loss on the schedule, and what I mean by that is one where you look on the schedule and you're like, oh, we're going to lose that game. If I can't find one of those, and I believe this team is as good as I believe they are, why can't I think they're a Super Bowl contender? That's fair. I don't think that's out of the question. And I think that it's week one, so... Everything you say, good or bad, is an overreaction, right? Because we don't, there's no, there isn't enough of a track record to see, you know, okay, this is actually what's going to happen this season. We're one game in, so good or bad, you could consider it an overreaction. But I don't think that it's a, it's a stretch to say that because that is the absolute goal of this team. That is 100% what they have built themselves around is being a Super Bowl contending team. They have revamped their entire defense around a new defensive coordinator who's gotten everything that he wants out of these guys in in one game. You know, the, the buy-in has been here all along, and then it translates to the field immediately. When you have a defense that can be that dominating, first, I, there's obviously the very well-known saying, defense wins championships. That's what this team can do. This team, if this defense is as strong as it was in week one throughout the season, they are absolutely poised to be Super Bowl contenders. Now, the offense, it wasn't maybe as strong as it should have been. There was weird weather inclements. I mean, there's, and that was my one question mark entering the game was, how is, how is this offense going to operate early? How is Deshaun Watson going to, to step up? And I think they did enough of a job, an, a serviceable job, and they got them. They helped get the win. They didn't hinder a win. They helped mm-hmm. with the win. The defense led, obviously, but I think the offense did plenty. And for it to be week one and those question marks be there and to see some of those things, you know, Deshaun Watson had some, some low and short passes, yes, weather included. Joe Burrow struggled as well. But what, what made me feel a little bit more hopeful, I think, is the pass to DPJ. Yeah. Those are the passes that he has made throughout practice, throughout preseason. These are like these are this is what he's capable of doing and you see these moments and you're like, okay, this is if he's this, this team can be successful. So to see it in a game where he was struggling where both quarterbacks were Joe Burrow, who is considered among the top quarterbacks in the league, also struggling, that to me shows promise 
and there's no reason that it can't get better. I also like the decision-making, the adjustments from Kevin Stefanski, from the coaching staff. I think the pieces showed up in week one, all of the little things that matter and are collectively what makes this team poised to be good and possibly great. They showed up in moments, the defense the entire time, but everything else, consistency on special teams, good coverage, Mm -hmm. Dustin Hopkins making his field goals. These are the things that, like, that's what you need. That's what was missing last year. That's what you need this year. And it's week one, and you've seen it against a tough opponent in weird conditions. This is a really, really, really good foundation for the Browns as they move on through the season. And I don't think you're crazy to say Super Bowl contenders. It's early, obviously. It's one game in. But if this is if this is what we see, the glimpse of what we've seen, if this is what continues throughout the season, yeah, absolutely. There's no reason that they shouldn't be. Cameron, what was the mood like with Miles after the game? Because he like playing, he got to, he had to line up over center. That one play lined up over center actually helped Oboe get the sack. Like you could see it all ripple through. But just from like a pure fun standpoint, and I don't know, maybe this is just something that Jim Schwartz is implementing. From a pure fun standpoint, it looked like I don't know any guys on the defensive line, just guys on the defense in general. They all seem like they were having a blast out there. They are having so much fun. I asked MJ Emerson about it actually, and he said that. They have – Jim Schwartz has – it's part of his program that if you don't celebrate after a big play, he considers it a loaf. That's it. Like, okay, that you have awesome. to celebrate under Jim Schwartz. That's huge. That's why they're having so much fun. And that, like, that I, – I loved that. I'm going to do a story about it this week about, like, actually, because it's, it's crazy. Like, that's crazy to me that this kind of culture has been established so quickly. These guys eat it up. They love it. They love to have fun. They love to make big plays. The defense is going crazy out there, and you can see it, and there's good reason. They make big plays. They celebrate. It fuels them. And it inspires them to do more. Other guys want to be able to celebrate. You saw Miles Garrett hit the crossover. Yeah. <laughs> and have, as a, just he's taunting. He doesn't even have to celebrate. He hasn't even made a play yet. He's taunting because he knows he's going to make the play. You got Greg Newsom standing up after he bats that ball down, and he just go just going crazy. Jeremiah Wusukormal running up and down the field. Like the energy is there, and it's great. And I think that is. I think Miles and everybody is having so much fun. Zadarius Smith coming off, coming off the field, pounding on the glass, getting right, like fans riled up trying to get in the, in the club, and they wouldn't let him in the club. That was such <laughs> like, a great video you posted. I love that. It, it was so fun. That this is what this defense has been missing, is the energy, is the desire to play for each other, and like just, just the really the, the deep. They've, they've been friends. They've been friendly. They're good teammates. But now you add fun, excitement, and just like pure chaos, <laughs> basically in the mix with Jim Schwartz, and I, they they've all bought in and they all love it. Like the, they all they can talk about is Jim Schwartz. They love what he's giving them and what he's allowing them to do. As we continue to do like the autopsy of Game One, uh, what is one thing since you're right there? What is one thing that you feel like the the sports talking heads and the people that are diving into it and in the spaces that we are are kind of maybe not even glossing over, but maybe not talking as much about that you saw out of the week one win? Kevin Stefanski. Mm, nice. I think it's Kevin, I think it's Kevin Stefanski. I, everyone, everyone gives him grief every year about his play calling. I think his play calling is, has never been an issue for me. It's just some of those decision makings, the crunch time, the fourth downs, like the big ones. Mm-hmm. 
he went for points this time. He made adjustments after he realized, okay, this not rain, but this weird mist of whatever the weather, whatever you could call that, because it wasn't rain. <laughs> he made adjustments, and and that and, and he's utilizing the offense in different ways. Nick Chubb's still having that prominent run game. Obviously, he's up for FedEx Ground Player of the Week. You love to see it. That's shout out. Gonna be shout, a, shout out FedEx. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, not shout out FedEx, but shout out the fans who can vote for him. Oh, you know? okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a link. It's you can the make, most, you can make it's the most, the winner. I, don't, I hope you have no association with it because it's the most made-up award I've ever seen in my life. It absolutely it is, but it's nowhere. still fun. It's still <laughs> fun to say that it's happening. <laughs> yeah. but, but you have him You have him involved in the run game, and then you have him, as we saw through training camp, we saw through practice, and getting him more involved in the passing game. Him. He has four targets, caught all four of them. The Stump Mitchell said, you know, is this something he's working on? Does he want to be better? And Stump said, no, he doesn't need to be better. He can always catch. He just hasn't done it before. Like, he, he hasn't been used in that role. Well, I think you start to see him used in that role now. And I like that Kevin Stefanski is being able to see what his players are able to do and use them in different ways. Elijah Moore, we've seen that all summer long with, mm-hmm. you know, him – in the slot, him in the backfield, wherever he's at, he's he's a threat. And I think that not only using a guy that's clearly versatile, but using your guys who have kind of held their own role, Nick, Nick Chubb and first and second downs, and that's it. I think being able to use them in different ways is is what I see as growth. Uh, and I don't know that a lot of people are talking about that. I, I think a lot of people still have him as, like, on the hot seat. But I think he is, like, if, if things were to go, you know, south. But I think that he has been the coach that this team has needed and has done a really good job. It just, there are circumstances that you can't, you can't account for. Mm-hmm. Injuries. You knew there was going to be a suspension, but how do you work around that? That's, it was an unprecedented situation with Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett. I think he's worked through those. And now is the test to see if that 2020 season is the real Kevin Stefanski. And I think it is. I think that's the coach of the year, that like innovative guy that got the most of his players. I think that is the coach that he is. And I think should situations not circumvent that, you'll see it again this year. I know it's early, Cameron. Uh, What storyline are you dialed into for the Steelers game on Monday night? You know what? Defense, again. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to see another dominating performance. I want to I want them to because it's supposed to rain again too. So oh, is it supposed to rain? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, weather. Yeah, rain's in the forecast We're right now. We're never going to get like a clean Deshaun game, are we? Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. But which means you know these are good things for uh, for to see that Kenny with the his famous small hands. You almost said baby hands, didn't you? you I almost did. You're, you're too I much of a pro to... for that. You're too much. I'll say it for you. You're too much of a pro for that. The small hands that <laughs> they're impacted in weather. That's what people were. Now people are attributing. You know, Joe Burrow doesn't have the largest hands. They're saying mm-hmm. oh, maybe that was why he struggled so much in that weather game. <laughs> so to have the defense go up against another quarterback who has maybe some issues playing in weather, and obviously had some issues last week in his first his first week there. I think that's the storyline is just to watch that defense and see how they can dominate again. And this is, to me, week one was a statement. Hey, this is the defense. They are good. 
think week two is don't forget this is the defense they're good and it's just a, a continuous AFC North statement and then we'll see what happens against Baltimore but I think it continues you, if you set that statement week one against the Bengals who I assumed were contending for the top of the AFC North if you can play them like that you I don't think the Steelers I don't see that I, I kind of predicted that I thought they would be at the bottom of the AFC North to be honest entering this season week one was tough for them yeah uh, and it's just one game but if that's the way it plays that's the way I see it going so I think you can continue that statement and you can keep making it known that not only are you a good football team but you are leading your division and the AFC in general after week one it's only week one mm-hmm. but after week one looks pretty open things are chaotic in the AFC this is the time to make the statement and make yourself known that you are a good team. And I think that's what I'm looking for is that continued dominance from the defense and see if maybe the weather doesn't impact it so much and, and Deshaun Watson can have maybe a better game than, than week one. No doubt about it. Fantastic insight as always. Uh, Cameron, we check you out on Channel 5 and just appreciate you being so generous with your time. Thank you, Cameron. No, thanks for having me on. All right, good stuff right there with Cameron on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge. Ram Hotline. We come on back. I want to talk about what she had to say with Kevin Stefanski. And we'll get to the expectations and what your season expectations are. We'll, we'll go back to that as well because I think that's fascinating. But uh, the idea that we maybe haven't given Stefanski nearly enough credit for what really went down on Sunday is fascinating to me. Two one six four seven four to below 92. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on the fan. That's the voice of Cameron Justice. She joined us earlier, like 20 minutes ago. You can check out the whole entire interview on our website, 923thefan.com. As soon as that gets up, we'll also tweet it out as well, 923thefan on Twitter. All right, what I found fascinating is that I feel like I feel like she's right. You know, it's, it's interesting. We've done two days now of radio, and I did only a half hour yesterday, and I've only done an hour and a half today. So I have not had the same opportunities as maybe some of my other colleagues here at the radio station have. But I've not heard many people throw around the let's praise Kevin Stefanski card. I haven't heard it. And I kept thinking throughout the game that this is the guy you, this is the guy you want. This is the guy that not only is he you know, calm, collected, has everything all figured out, but he was just hitting the right cylinders for me. And, and really, I, when it came to Deshaun Watson, I, I, and we're going to get to some of the game managing side of things and some of those commentary and, and some of that, but... There, there's a stat on NextGen, okay? Let me get a little a little deep into this, all right? There's a stat on NextGen. It's called average attempt – or I'm sorry, it's called air yards differential. And what it does is it does the average attempt deep passes and then takes where he didn't actually complete them. Basically, it shows how often they attempt versus how often they complete them. And Deshaun led the league in this category in a bad way, but he led the league in that category. And the way that indicates that he attempted more deep throws by yards than he completed than any quarterback in week one. Now, that was a lot, and I'm sorry for that. It got very convoluted. We will not do that one again later on. But the main point is is that Stefanski kept letting Deshaun Watson go to his arsenal. He kept letting him try to work it all out. Did you know Deshaun Watson had 16 completions on Sunday? 11 of them were completions that were five yards or fewer. But he he had nine attempts that were 15 yards or further. He tried to have the deep ball go. And Stefanski really did try to make it all work. But I thought Stefanski was smart and that he was mixing and matching what he was doing with Nick Chubb. 
And Nick Chubb getting six yards a pop gives you a lot of leeway in what you can and cannot do. But Nick Chubb was incredible. Stefanski recognized it, but he also saw how the game was going. There was just a lot there that I really liked and appreciated out of Stefanski to the point where that one win against the Bengals, I don't know if it bought him the whole season if this starts to go sideways, but for the people that were saying, oh, after the bye week, if uh, y- you know if he starts off 0-4, which is obviously out of the equation now, or 1-3, then we got to reconsider everything. No, 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 no. Stefanski's bought himself a lot of time in my mind based off of what we saw in week one. And if you're buying what I'm selling in the first hour, when I put out there that they're Super Bowl contenders, not Super Bowl favorites, but Super Bowl contenders, then yeah, I'm buying what Stefanski's currently selling. The guy I saw on the sidelines was the guy that's the, the coach for the Browns for the next 10 years. That guy was there. And I know it was a little awkward when, like, Miles Garrett in the postgame rolled his eyes after Stefanski did his whole speech of, like, I don't ever lie to you. I don't ever lie to you. And you can, like, you can see Miles Garrett. You do, like, a curb your enthusiasm Larry David where it, like, zooms in on him. You zoom in on Miles Garrett. You can see Miles being, like, rolling his eyes. Like, I don't know about that one there, coach. But ultimately, you know what gets people to buy in more than anything? It's not the rah-rah speeches. It's not doing your best Tony Robbins impressions. It's winning games. And Stefanski, in getting Jim Schwartz, and I don't know whose final call that was. I would imagine Stefanski had a lot of say in that, though. But in getting Jim Schwartz right, the guy that can be the head coach of the defense, has to get credit. Has to. And that offense looked good. You guys saw the wide-open players. You saw them there. Deshaun didn't hit him. He missed. That's all right. He'll get that improved. He'll get that corrected. First opening two drives should have been touchdowns. The guys were schemed open. They were there. That's Stefanski at his finest. That is Stefanski at his finest. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Joe and Medina up next on the fan. Hello, Joe. Jonathan, how are you? What's up, Joe? Uh, big win, beautiful win. I'm just really mm-hmm. excited as a Browns fan this week. Hey, wanted to elaborate a little bit on what Cameron said uh, before the break. Yeah, uh, I thought she nailed it. Uh, Stefanski. It was cool, calm, collected. Everything that was the coach of the year in 2020, I think we saw that again uh, this past Sunday. The thing that excites me the most is I think he's finally going to make these decisions to kick the ball, to not go for it on fourth and long when you're in the red zone, or fourth and three, fourth and four. Um, I think you're going to see a coach that's, that's calling the game with full trust in his special teams and with full trust in his defense. A lot of times, you know, over the last few years, I don't think that trust is necessarily there. He did kind of cover that by saying, you know, I made those decisions because seven points goes a lot further in this league than three. But I just think we're going to see a coach now that is is coaching and, and making those calls with full trust in all units, and that's really exciting as a Browns fan. No doubt. No doubt. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you. I think there's also, if I can cross sports a little bit here, you know, when I stick up for Tito, for instance, this past season, I've stuck up for him where when you, when you see baseball managers start to make mistakes, it's usually because there's the wrong players on the field. Never more evident than when you watch baseball managers. Baseball managers, they can get exposed really quickly and make really dumb decisions when they just don't have the talent. I think that, in a weird way, was also with Stefanski as well, where I feel like sometimes it felt like he had a boatload of talent, and other times you're like, wait, maybe maybe that... Maybe they didn't have as much talent as we thought. This team is loaded with talent. And you saw in some of the ways in the opening parts and opening drives where you looked and you saw how Kevin Svansky was able to go to some of that talent. 
You know, the Elijah Moore play was one of the biggest plays Deshaun Watson had in the entire game. That play doesn't exist last year. It just doesn't. You don't have a guy like that last year. Even some of the little things, like the Deshaun Watson goal line, or not goal line, I guess it was the 13-yard line. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, checks it at the goal line and then ends up going and rushing it in. Like, that, that doesn't happen last year. He doesn't have that with Jacoby Brissett. And by the way, there was a Deshaun Watson decision there, but that also was something that they talked about on Saturday, and then they implemented, and then they gave him the free reign to do. Like, that's, that's all nods to Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski. They all deserve credit for that. They really do. Two one six four seven four to below 92. Jeff and Lakewood up next on the fan. Hello, Jeff. What's going on, man? How Yo, you doing? What's up, Jeff? Great interview you did. Well, thank you, Jeff. Nice job. Thank you. Yeah, I was just saying, uh, I appreciate your show, man. You do an outstanding job. I enjoy listening to you at night. Well, thank you. All the fans in Cleveland. I was going through my, just listening to the sports talk show, you know, throughout the week, and that was an enjoyable win, man. I was just, you know, how it's amazing. When the Browns win, uh, Jonathan Peterson, it's amazing, man, how the spirit of this city is lifted. It, it, it's, it happened everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, I'm over the, I'm like, I've been over the moon for about an hour and a half now for this show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but the thing with me, I've been listening all week and I'm, I'm, my mind is just kind of scrambled because I cannot, you know, with the young kids starting, Jones starting at right tackle yeah. this week. Yeah. All you hear, Jonathan, all you hear, and I love JJ, uh, 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 Watt, you know, put a Steelers. Yeah. He, he, T.J. Watt, he's he a game record. All you hear is T.J. Watt matching up with the rookie, what he going to do. But not one time you say nothing about Darius Smith and Miles Garrett. You know what I'm saying? What they going to be on the side of that filling their thumb? Okay, we, <laughs> yeah, okay the rookie going to be – The rookie going to match up against Watt. So what the deal with uh, uh, Miles Garrett and uh, 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 Smith? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and, disregarding them guys, man, and I think the Browns really gonna have a chip on their shoulder because they just—that's two guys. They got one guy in, in one of the big moments, and and is key. I think is with a uh, Cameron Haywood, man. I just, man, that is massive, man. It's a future Hall of Famer. And thank you, Jeff. I do yeah. appreciate you, man. Good point. It's a future Hall of Famer. It's gonna be sidelined there in Hayward. Oh, that's a good point, though. I like that uh, because Pittsburgh's offensive line is a bunch of garbage cans. Has been for years. Meanwhile, our offensive line, yeah, Dewan Jones, Dewan Jones is a, he's a slot machine with a helmet. That's a massive human right there. He's a big human. Okay? The big man right there. I'm not, I'm, listen, TJ Watt can get by anybody. He's got a Miles Garrett ability to himself where he can get by anybody. And I would imagine he would do more than just match up with Dewan Jones, but I, I would think he's going to give Dewan Jones a run for his money, try to match up on the rookie. You think he would? Oh boy, that's going to be interesting. But yeah, Miles Garrett is going to be able to do Miles Garrett things. We definitely have an advantage. Our D line, versus their offensive line as opposed to their D-line versus our offensive line, we have the advantage. Two one six four seven four to blow 92. Mike in Texas has been waiting patiently. Hello, Mike. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate oh, it. Thank you, Mike, for making it. I appreciate you waiting. How are you? Yes, sir. Hey, a lot of ways to go here. I'm doing great. I'm over the moon with you. Um, been a Browns fan since 71, so this goes back a while. I'm not uh, a guy who goes into seasons thinking that we're going to win every year when it's not realistic. But this year, so I'm going to hit a couple things you asked. One was um, the Super Bowl contender thing. Absolutely, mm-hmm. we should be considered that. It's not overhyped. Two, I'm not changing my expectations for the year based on game one because my expectations have been 11 to 12 wins all along. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what you tear apart an 11-win team to do is to put it back together and be better because you don't think 
you know, you think that team, that roster from 20 was uh, topped out at, you know, maybe squeaking into the playoffs and that's not good enough. Okay, you tear it apart. By default, your expectations should be 12, 13 wins and a couple rounds in the playoffs. And I'll tell you one thing that uh, I haven't been hearing talk about tonight in addition to Stefanski is the moves. Andrew Barry's got himself lined up to be general manager of the year. Uh, the moves point. that that man's made over this this last offseason between trades and free agency in the draft is unbelievable. He's filled more gaps uh, with with less to work with than anybody can imagine. Um, stating the obvious on the positives from this week, obviously the defense, but what we're not talking about with the defense is Thornhill and Ika didn't play. So True. good, we get those guys added back in there, expect even that much more out of the defense. Watson... I think the ball to DPJ is the best ball he's thrown in a Browns uniform. Fantastic. And so I'm going to hang my hat on that. And hopefully, I think the problems with the bounce passes and all that was a little like not trusting his eyes. I think he'll get to that. I like that we saw, we saw separation in space with the receivers. Watson's too good a quarterback to be missing them all year. So I think that'll come around. But yeah, that, that throw to DPJ was certainly promising. Uh, only concern I have really is, what we have behind Chubb in the running game. And we'll see, I think, DeWan Jones is going to be outstanding at tackle. I'm just kind of crossing my fingers a little there and hoping that the man's got quick feet. And when he does get beat, he's got those long arms to shove somebody anyway. So looking for good things there. So, Jonathan, I think 11's win should be the floor. I think 12 or 13 should be the expectation. I think being competitive in the playoffs is what we are geared towards. This was to push all the chips in the middle year. And so I'm sticking with that expectation. Love it. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you, man. A lot of good stuff there. Yeah, Jerome Ford's fumble. We, you know, we haven't touched much on that one. I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal moving forward. He did have some nice runs after that, by the way. But Nick Chubb was just so dominant. So dominant. I'm getting excited thinking about Monday. All right. We come on back. Can the Browns win if Watson is going to be what the morning show dubbed and pondered around a game manager? I'll explain why he wasn't, and people got that a little confused when we come on back. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle in here with you on the fan. But first, shop classic Chevrolet's high-quality inventory and special incentives like this great offer. Lease a 2024 Chevy Equinox LS for $2.99 per month for 36 months. Jonathan Beadle in here for Jeremy Hamilton and the entire team at Classic Chevrolet in Mentor. Shop in person at the Classic Flagship Dealership, Route 615 in Mentor, as always, or you can view their entire inventory of new and certified pre-owned Chevys online at driveclassicchevy.com. Jeremy and his entire team are fantastic people. Every time I check in on them, they, they treat me world-class, and they'll treat you world-class as well. Chevy.com, ClassicChevy.com, Chevrolet, find new roads. All right, back in here on The Fan. It is overtime with John and the Peter one. Oh, boom, before we get back to the Browns, I want you to guess really quickly, because you know I love golf, and you obviously, you played high school golf, so you've been to a lot of different courses around Northeast Ohio. Here's what a gem Northeast Ohio is, right? So I bought a – my mom once gave me like a, a, a 12 golf ball case holder, right? And it was just like a – it was a whatever one. She just – I don't even know where she found it, but she found it, and it could hold like 12 golf balls. And I collect logo balls. If I go to a course, I collect logo balls. That's a thing I like to do. And I bought one off of the Internet that holds 50 golf balls, and it looks really sharp and really nice. And it was one of those things when you put it up, you're like, all right, it looks nicer. But I also put this in, the, in what we dubbed the sports room, which is basically just the extra bedroom that my wife lets me put everything into that will one day get turned into one of our children's rooms and it'll just be dismantled. 
and then I'll have to move everything to the basement. I think I don't really know what it does, uh, but but I'm just kind of I'm just kind of adding to that room, which means I'm basically throwing money away. I'm, I'm lighting money on fire, but it makes me happy. And every time I go in that room, I smile. And isn't that the point in life? Every time you go into a room, if you see something that makes you smile, that's probably worth the money, right? It was a good deal. I went for it. So now let me just cl- get some clarification here. So this yeah. is like collector balls? Like different yeah, th- so every course you go to in the pro shop, they'll sell little golf balls. You can get poker chips. You can all sorts of stuff. And they have the, the logo of the course that you play at stamped on the golf ball. So it's like a, it's like a memory. Instead of taking a photo of the golf course and putting it in a photo album, you, you buy the golf ball. And it's your it's your memory of it, right? Do you have a collection started up already? Yeah, so so I do, and so I, I put my golf balls in the case today, and I was filling out the case. How many Northeast Ohio golf balls do you think I have? Now I got I've golf balls from all over the country, from from Vegas, from Colorado, all the different places I've gone and played golf at, right? So there's like you know. Ten different states represented, but I'm talking just the Cleveland, Ohio, just the Northeast Ohio section of my golf ball, golf ball case. It's in double digits, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to say seventeen. Twenty six. Wow, isn't that wild? That I think is- that's so wild. Like I, I, I every Impressive. time, I, yeah, every time I tell people like Northeast Ohio is amazing public golf, nobody ever believes me. And then I just have to show them the case. Like there's twenty six different public courses that I've gone and played. I haven't even played all of them. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm out of places to play. I feel like we found a new we find a new place every other week that I still haven't played. It's incredible. Now, for those that don't like golf, they're probably like, we should we should do something else with that land. I don't know. Listen, I'm not going to say anything. Metro Parks does a great job. You guys know that. We got we got things. Anyway, I was I was pretty excited about that. 26 isn't that wild? All right. Anyway, John Greco was on earlier today on the morning show. We're going to the fan focus at nine. Daryl Ryder at nine twenty. Here's what he had to say about the conversation whether or not Deshaun Watson was a game manager over the weekend. John Greco on the morning show. I I love the first point. Deshaun learned over the weekend he doesn't have to be Superman. Deshaun learned over the weekend he doesn't put the whole he doesn't put the whole entire team on his shoulders and he doesn't have to try to make sure that he does everything and anything. Nick Chubb can pick him up. Yeah. Different players in this offense can pick him up. Defense, they can pick him up. But here's what I want to clean up out of the gate. He wasn't trying to be a game manager. He was trying to be him. It just didn't matter since the Bengals couldn't score. Game managers don't throw the pick that he threw or go deep the way that he did. Game managers wouldn't have tossed it up in the air to Goodwin the way that he did. I'm all for saying using his legs to get the touchdown and and what he did to move the ball was good and more than enough for what the Browns needed. But I don't want to rename the title of Watson. And I especially don't want to after just one game. It reminds me a little what people in Chicago are saying about Justin Fields. Just a little bit. They're not mad at Justin Fields. They're mad at Matt Eberflus, the head coach, and Luke Getze, the OC, since what they did to Fields was take the Lamar Jackson side of him and completely erased it out of his game. He had one design run play in an entire game against the Packers. They took away his best ability as a pro and then said, we're going to have you become more of a thrower while not letting him actually throw the football down the field. They stunted him for one game at least. They stunted him down to the worst version of himself, and it showed. The Browns aren't doing that, and they're not planning on doing that. One thing I love about this Browns coaching staff, and this goes from the coaching staff all the way down to the GM and Andrew Barry, I know with certainty they're not idiots. Luke Getze might be an idiot. Matt Eberflus might be an idiot in Chicago, in Chicago. Might be. Legitimately might be with what they did with Justin Fields over the weekend. I know with certainty Stefanski's not that. 
Stefanski knows what to do with Deshaun. He would never get him to a point where he's simply game manager. Now, what I wonder in the pregame show uh, that we had on West 6, I was talking with Lima and Nick Wilson. I wondered, I, I said something along the lines of how, what would happen if Deshaun doesn't look great? Would Stefanski break glass in case of emergency and then use Nick Chubb a ton? And honestly, I thought he went the other route. I thought he used Nick Chubb a lot early on, established a lead, and then was like, all right, we got more opportunities to kind of let it fly. Deshaun Watson had more deep passes than anybody else in the NFL this past weekend. He, he, he kept throwing the ball all over the field. Now he hit two of nine from 15 yards plus and beyond. Two of nine. That's not good enough. He's got to be much better in that area. But he's not a game manager. When you're making that many deep throws, you're not a game manager. And I, listen, I don't even know if we should be talking game manager like that. I, I agree with what Ken had to say, and you'll hear it in the fan focus. When people talk game manager like that, they're really just trying to say that they think that the quarterback sucks. So maybe that's where I'm at, where I'm like, I just, I don't buy into that. What I will say, though, is I think Deshaun Watson learned a lot about the Browns this weekend. And I think he learned a lot about this team this weekend to the point where he understands it doesn't have to be all on him for the Browns in order to have themselves a good run. He can have games like this. Remember before the season, I talked about the Eagles. The Eagles had five games last year where the defense straight up just won the game for him. Jalen Hurts could have been on a beach sipping a Mai Tai. He didn't have to be on the football field. Five games, including two in the postseason. Divisional game against the Giants, and obviously the game against the 49ers with the Brock Purdy injury. We got one in week one. That's a good thing. Now, Deshaun Watson might ham and egg it up with the defense. Go defense great, offense great, defense great, offense great, and they just kind of rotate back and forth. Do whatever you got to do. We didn't need Deshaun Watson to be great. We just needed him to be what he was. And then he'll get better and better as each week moves on. All right, leave that there. We come on back. We got to get to the fan focus. We got Daryl Ryder at 920. We got Spencer with Off the Beaten Path. Going to do that at 10 o'clock tonight. A ton to get to. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on the fan.